What we do here is go back, 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 back. back. And welcome into episode 46 of the Two and a Half Marks podcast. My name is David Statman, and as always, I'm joined by my good friends Angelo Inglisa and Jake Long as we rewatch, relive, and remember a different wrestling pay-per-view every single week. And this week, we are going right back to our bread and butter, baby. This is our wheelhouse. This is our home turf. We're talking about mid-2000s WWE SmackDown, Judgment Day. 2005 classic event we've got cena jbl in the main event maybe the greatest i quit match ever if not it's on the short list some real good shit on the show really been looking forward to it what's going on boys are you uh, guys David, ready to pass some judgment um i don't think we're allowed to talk about how this is our wheelhouse when this version of kurt angle exists on it well okay <laughs> um, and the podcast is canceled see you later uh, everybody yeah so <laughs> <laughs> Full disclaimer: We're gonna we're gonna be treading some uh, interesting ground with one of the angles on this uh, hey, uh, on the show. Hey, hey. We're gonna have to. Oh yeah, ha, huh. yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a pun. No, um, yeah, we're we're gonna be going through some. Uh, I would call it a, a minefield here. It is a content minefield, and with the news that uh, Peacock is removing some of the more questionable. Oh, stuff are they really? WWE, yeah. Like I saw today Good. that, for instance, on the like w, like the the upload of like the WrestleMania where it was uh, Roddy Piper and Bad News Brown and Roddy Piper did blackface. And, yeah, like, he was literally half like, blackface. Yeah, they took that out in the upload of that WrestleMania on Peacock, for instance. I expect that the footage of this entire Kurt Angle Booker T storyline will be disguised from the record. And just, like, thrown down the memory hole, never to be seen again. I mean, that's yep. definitely more of a legal thing, too. At, at, at which point I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's probably necessary. I would say absolutely necessary. Because this was, hard, like, out of everything that we have seen. And all the, we'll say, questionable decision-making and portrayals of characters on pay-per-views. This is easily the most controversial. And this by controversial, is, I mean... I don't think it's controversial. No. Deservedly it's needs to be canceled. <laughs> it's terrible. Terrible. Yeah. It's like, honestly, perhaps the single most reprehensible thing I've seen. I mean, like, certainly for this podcast, I think. This is worse yeah, than well, any Braun Panas match. thing yes. that they've done. And I mean, like, what, three weeks ago, we just talked about Iraqi sympathizer Sergeant Slaughter. This right. is a hundred times worse than like, that. Like, I feel like... I feel like WWE, WWF, whatever, has done a lot of these offensive angles. But, like, like with the Iraqi sympathizer, like, I, I didn't watch the TV that went along with it. But watching the show, like, the WrestleMania show itself, you didn't see a ton of, like, inherently, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. But, like, it just was not nearly as black and white, this is bad should never be seen again. It wasn't. Yeah. It, shit it, it wasn't. Show. It was. It was kind because of, I mean the show. You know, like you have already reached the show. You know, right. so they're gonna go out. They're gonna cut their one promo, and then they'll come out, and they're gonna be waving the Iraqi yeah. flag, and they'll do their they'll do their, do their match. They've already done the whole build where yes, it was like, yes, stick. Sergeant Slaughter has defected to Iraq, 
and you know turned on America and all that shit. But they it wasn't, already got all that shit out of the way. But that angle, even itself, even though it's preposterous, isn't I would classify as completely and utterly degrading. I would say that what happens on this pay per view is degrading both to Angle in a light, but definitely and most importantly to Charmel, who yes. is going through. Grant yeah. again, yeah. wrestling is like staged, but at the same time, these portrayals, you don't need these portrayals in wrestling. You just yeah. don't. Was there, was, was there ever word that Charmel and Booker like agreed to this or anything like that? I have no idea. And to be honest with you, I wanted to read like what Meltzer had to say about it, because usually he has a lot of the info. But yeah. on the uh, Figure Four Online Wrestling Observer website, there's like a few year gap in like the mid 2000s where they don't have uploads of the observers and this uh, falls in that time. So I wasn't able to read it and see what was going on because I think there probably would have been some interesting behind the scenes info on that that I was not able yeah, to find. Yeah, I would have really liked to know. Like, not that that makes it any better that somebody had the idea to me, but I don't like. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't make it any better, but I would then I wouldn't feel as bad for Charmel anymore. Like, I will say like was, this. I will know? say this. I can't see Charmel being like, hey, let's do this. You know what I mean? Right. I but I don't know. Right. I don't know. But I don't I, I also I also see her being like, uh no, I'm not doing that shit if she didn't want to do it. Sure, but still, I, it's it's a little And, and Booker like weird. like like I feel like Booker would have had enough pull to be like, no, I don't want my wife to go through that. You would hope. I don't know. But yeah, yeah this you would is, hope so, at least. You would hope. This is something that, again, anyway. we're, we are watching this in like the last few weeks of the WWE Network existing. I think we may get like one more show, maybe two, or we can actually watch it on the regular WWE Network before uh, we move to Peacock. So rest in peace. Well, you know. God, but not forgotten. But may, may, may he rest. Yeah. W- I, Peacock, I, I'm so glad that it's moving because I hate the WWE Network interface and I really hope the Peacocks is better. I went to Peacocks. I hate their, their interface. I went to Peacocks to try and watch this one, but I think this one hadn't been uploaded le- yet or it's just currently still impossible to find because they're in the process of moving everything over. It's like they just moved into yeah. a new building and they still haven't unpacked yet. Yeah, I, I hear the search function and all that layout stuff is still pretty rough at this point, but hopefully it gets better. I mean, okay. I, I'm just so used to the WWE Network interface at this point that it's just like, I'm going to use it until I can't use it anymore. Um, but yeah, Peacock has removed some objectionable, uh, by current standards, content, and really by any standards, content uh, <laughs> from some of their WWE uploads. I'm not sure I necessarily support like the the past censorship type stuff but they've got like for instance i know they got rid of like i mentioned the roddy piper bad news brown that whole blackface angle and they got rid of the in the upload of 2005 survivor series they got rid of the segment where vince mcmahon says the n-word which is like kind of a tragedy because that is legitimately hilarious as shit in like a very like not like very very like un-pc way but I, i always laugh when i see that video uh, but if that's kind of what you're working with, then I 100% expect this Kurt Angle storyline to be just thrown in the garbage forever. Yeah, go on. I, I blast it into the. I think anything, especially like during like this kind of media, that would be a jailable offense or things that people are getting canceled for now, 
uh, you could probably do with. Like, this isn't like we're talking about guys that found the country back in the 1700s who had backwards beliefs anyway. Uh, we're talking about people that are as recently as 2005 who are calling uh, another man's wife a gutter slut. So Yes. Yes. It's not great. Oof. That's a real word. <laughs> I really hope, though, that they keep Katie Vick in. <laughs> I, I hope they do. I hope they don't do anything with Katie Vick. That's got to be preserved <laughs> forever. That's gotta Remember be preserved whenever forever. Uh, was it was it Triple H that showed up to like Randy Orton or Randy Orton showed up to Triple H's house or something like that? Yeah. Well, which one was that? <laughs> I think it was Randy Orton showed up to Triple H's house. Just a casual home invasion. Yeah. But yeah, we talked a lot about this Kurt Angle storyline. Uh, we're gonna get there. It's some pretty gnarly shit. Uh, it's pretty bad. But until then, we've got some guys to remember. So I think it's about time. Are you boys ready to remember some guys? God, please. Let's, let's remember, remember some good guys. Yes, let's remember some guys. So it is May 22nd, 2005. We are at the Target Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We have 12,000 people in the building for a SmackDown exclusive pay-per-view. Big main event. John Cena defending his WWE title against JBL in an I Quit match. We have Michael Cole and Taz on the call, and we start right into it. Uh, four championship matches on the show. The first one in the opening match. The WWE Tag Team Championships are on the line. It is the team. Uh, it, like This is, we love mid two thousand SmackDown. This is the mid two thousand SmackDown's team. It is Eminem, Johnny Nitro, and Joey Mercury, Accompanied by Molina, they are defending the titles against, like, the, like, this is like the most two generic white guys tag team of all time. It is Hardcore Bob Holly and Charlie Haas. They are challenging Eminem. Eminem has the whole entrance with the red carpet, the fur coats, the paparazzi, Molina doing the splits into the ring. They're waving around the belts like they're their penises, pretty much. I think that's what that what they were going for. With like the front hanging belts out of the pants, <laughs> very phallic. There, that's very. I, that, that's totally. They're going for a phallic thing there. It's pretty cool. Yeah, Eminem was sick. I don't care. So, um, <laughs> this is a you know solid. It's a match. You know, nothing super special. Kind of you know your typical tag match, but you know decent match. Uh, good workers in this one. Um, Charlie Haas, the former... Uh, is this the first Charlie Haas appearance? We've had? No, we it's had just... World's greatest tag no. Team match we had, yes, we had the World's Greatest Tag Team match. And I also will say this. I briefly, while I was doing my spreadsheet, I got confused with... I thought Charlie, ha- Charlie Haas and Gregory Helms were the same guy. That's a big mistake. It is a mistake. Completely, those, they're two completely different bland white men. <laughs> <laughs> I just completely, it was like, oh shit, did I screw this up? And I'm like, oh wait, no, 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 they are two separate guys. I'm just, oh let, boy. Let, let, let us pass no disrespect toward Gregory Helms, a guy that we all love. Uh, but yeah, Charlie Haas, former legit two-time Big East uh, wrestling champion at Seton Hall University, doing his uh, technical wrestling, tags in Hardcore Holly, who is just, Killing Joey Mercury with the stiffest chops in the freaking world. Uh, he goes for the Alabama Slam, which I have heard is a fucking horrible bump to take. Uh, but when the ref is turned around, Eminem, they double team on Holly and they get the heat on him for a while. Uh, Holly comes back. He hits a big, like, rock bottom on Johnny Nitro. There's big, like, this, the, the crowd's, like, pretty hot. 
like, and even the guys that you don't think they're going to care about are getting like a lot of heat. Um, Hardcore Holly has like the whole crowd chanting Holly for him, which is like maybe the only like real chant Hardcore Holly ever got in his like 15 years in WWE. Um, He comes back, he gets the hot tag on Charlie Haas. Haas goes wild. He hands out a bunch of drop kicks. He hands out a spear. He backdrops Johnny Nitro over the top rope. He does a running dive over the top rope, and then he goes back off the ropes. Melina grabs her. Uh, Melina grabs his leg. She gets involved. Uh, Charlie Haas then knocks her off of the apron, doing an O'Connor roll on Joey Mercury. But Joey Mercury kicks out. John, uh, Charlie Haas hits an exploder suplex on Joey Mercury. He has Joey pinned, but Johnny Nitro gets in, distracts the referee. Nitro cheap shots him. And then Eminem hits their finishing move, the snapshot on Charlie Haas. And Eminem, through some heel fuckery, retained the titles in eight minutes and six seconds. A perfectly, not not super remarkable, but a solid opening tag match. Jake will say this match sucks because he says everything that's okay sucks. So let me yeah. just get that out of the way first. And it's okay. It's it's okay, you know? It is. Um, I just really didn't really care for Charlie Haas and Hardcore Holly as a team, despite the fact that Holly was super over. And I feel like uh, Hardcore Holly is a guy that if he were around 15 years later, I think he'd kind of get like the Cesaro treatment of a guy that's been, maybe been underappreciated by WWE, but like a guy that nerds like us would love because he's like really good and technical in the ring. I'm not sure I would uh, compare him to Cesaro. I mean, I think there's no. levels to the game here. <laughs> well, I mean, he's, I mean, Harker Holly, perfectly fine worker and everything. But, like, uh, I don't know. That was just my, I'm not like. sure I see it, you Okay, know? fair enough. Again, I have the weird ones, so it's kind of my niche. But I will say, at watching Eminem, I just love this era of tag team wrestling. Because I just have so many fond memories of watching these guys in tag team matches on SmackDown. And even like you have the singles matches between like Joey Mercury and Paul London, they're always fantastic matches. I think those are like some of those guys that were always great to watch. I never realized how much I enjoyed them until I'm going back watching an Eminem match on Judgment Day 2005 against Charlie Haas and Hardcore Holly on pay per view. Um, that like again, Eminem was just iconic. They had a great gimmick. I thought they had a great entrance. They had a great presentation, uh, and. How they held the belts, too, I think that kind of helps sell them as heels because they're kind of, like, tainting the belts with how they're carrying them because they're not carrying them in a traditional sense. Uh, but overall, again, solid match. Nothing really to write home about, but it's just very nostalgic. Um, very nostalgic. What? Okay, so time for my take. And, boys, you were actually wrong because I didn't mind this. Uh, Eminem's cool. What? Uh, yeah, no, like, Eminem's cool. Hardcore Holly as an actual wrestler is fun because you always remember him as Hardcore Holly. And here yeah. he was just being the dude. Yeah. You remember him Hardcore guy. Holly, the guy who was just angry all the time for no yeah. reason. Yeah, now he's just a guy and he's just he's a wrestler, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then um, the other thing is like, uh, okay, so whenever Melina was walking out, she said the phrase, this is the biggest night in pay-per-view history. And I want you to think about who's in the main event. I I got very strong, like, Tony Schiavone. This is the greatest night in the history of our sports. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I like, don't know. Man. Like the greatest night of pay per view history has fucking JBL in the main event. Like, hey. okay. It was a hell of a main event, though. Let's be real. Listen, I am here for the JBL slander, okay? The guy's a piece of shit. Oh, well, yeah, for sure. We can all agree. But still, good main event. I mean, this is a good show, I think. I, th- uh, I, th- I, th- I thought this was fine. I thought it was a decent opener. Yeah, it's a fine fine opener, you know, pretty good tag match. You know, they, they had a good one. It was solid. It was fine. Opening, whatever. Uh, pretty pretty typical story. Heels cheat and win, blah, blah, blah. But they executed it well. All, all four of the guys in this match are, are good athletes, good workers. Um, and, yeah, I just – it was weird seeing Holly. I feel like after a certain point, you never saw Hardcore Holly wrestle. No, like yeah. Hardcore Holly was a guy because I think he had some like really bad injuries. So like when I was getting into wrestling, he was like this guy who was like on the roster but never wrestled, and I had no idea who he was. And then he showed up, and he was just some guy. I just remember Hardcore Holly's entrance being the default entrance for your created superstar in SmackDown versus Raw 2006. It was because it was very generic. Just like <laughs> here comes a guy to rock music. Here comes when a wrestle with his hands up. Yeah, He's gonna beat beat the other guy up. I want to know who decided to put Charlie Haas and Hardcore Holly together. I feel like it's like, like, hey, you're a white guy and you're a white guy. You're both standing around. Why don't you go be a tag team? What two guys do we have nothing for right now and we need depth in our uh, tag team department? Oh, I know. Let's throw Hardcore Holly and uh, Charlie Haas together. I wish they did that more now. I How wish they did that. Do they have nothing for right now? They're standing around. They could just make into a tag team. I wish they did that more, but and then made a name for that tag team that made sense. Well, but, like they kind of did it for like Dolph and Rude. Yeah, like even the Dirty Dogs, even if it was like a forced nickname, at least it kind of makes sense for them. And they just really haven't run with it. And also, they haven't been on SmackDown in like two weeks, whether that's from COVID or other reasons, because I know like they're dealing with a second outbreak over there or third. I, I don't know. I've lost track at this point. Like fifth at this point. But yeah, like I mean, I'm not opposed to just throwing two random guys together. Like again, I think that's one of the things that make the Dusty Cup great is that you have like now the storyline with like Thatcher and Champa and Walter. Like that's kind of created a whole storyline because it was a thrown together tag team. And for them, like you don't really need a team name, but when you have two guys come out with like different like. Uh, gear, it's very clear like, okay, these are just, this is essentially a jabroni tag team, because they don't understand the nuances of tag team wrestling. Let's bring back putting two random guys in a tag team. Let's do Drew Gulak and Ricochet. That team would fucking rule. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah, I would would, would love that. Their team name could be the Flipbook, because you have Drew Gulak's PowerPoints and Ricochet does flips. Yeah, why not? Uh, have you guys ever heard the Bob Holly do you story? I think so. I think yeah. I've heard this one before. Everyone go find that on YouTube. I think about that all the time. <laughs> all right. So next up, we have – this is a great match right here. The Big Show is taking on Carlito. Uh, Carlito, this is a, a feud that stemmed from you know, Carlito did the thing with the, the, the gimmick with the apple. And uh, – he fed Big Show a rotten apple, and he got Big Show to just puke all over the ring. And so now Big Show is all pissed off at Carlito because he played this prank on him. But Carlito, because he is massively outsized by the Big Show, he's going to get beaten up. He has found his own large, big uh, bodyguard type. Uh, current mayor of Longwood, Florida, the blueprint, Wait. Matt Morgan. Wait, yes. we have another wrestling mayor? 
Yes, there's actually two wrestling mayors. Matt Morgan is the mayor of the city of Longwood, Florida, which is in, like, central Florida. And I know Rhino, like, ran for office, too. Yes, he uh, did not succeed. I think he ran for, like, Michigan State House or something, and he got owned. I don't remember exactly. <sighs> Wrestlers uh, and politics, yeah. something you never thought would mix. Yeah. And they never should have. They should have. They should have left it when Bob Backlund tried to run for president in '95 or '96. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, Matt Morgan is Carlito's backup. He's like a big, like his his gimmick is like he's a big scary dude, but he has a stutter, so people laugh at him. It's a dumb gimmick. Um, and this match is basically just well. First off, Carlito's freaking cool. He walks out. You know, he spits in the face of people who don't want to be cool, and he cuts just a. Uh, just pandering heel promo to the Minnesota crowd saying that he just was talking to his good friend, Randy Moss uh, (laughs) and saying that Randy Moss left and signed with the Oakland Raiders because Minnesotans are not cool and that they don't appreciate talent like Carlito's friend, Matt Morgan, who's a really big guy. Um, And this match is short. It's not really much of a match. It's basically show kind of tossing Carlito all over the ring. Big show is like no selling all of Carlito's offense. Finally, when the ref is turned around, Matt Morgan beats up big show for a little while. He, they two on one him, but the show comes back. Uh, he continues throwing Carlito around for another minute or so. We then do like, this was the shittiest ref bump I've ever seen. Like how obvious it was. We're like, um, I think show had thrown Carlito into the same corner a couple times and he's about to do it again. And then the referee just like in full view of the camera, just like walks right in the way and just steps right in the middle and between him and the, in the corner. And then he just gets Carlito whipped into him. It just looked really stupid on camera. Uh, so the ref dies, uh, Carlito low blows show show then goes for a choke slam. Morgan hits the ring. He big boots show and then this was pretty impressive. Matt Morgan gets Big Show up on his shoulders. And this was a very beefy Big Show. I mean, he was weighing oh. at least, I don't know, man, maybe 450. This was a very, very big show. And he hits him with an F5. The ref come back, comes back in. Carlito gets the pin on Big Show in four minutes and 41 seconds. Yeah. The most impressive part. Was that F5? That was cool. Are you sure it wasn't yeah. Big Show's mustache? Uh, I said impressive, not scary. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, for me, like, again, the F5 is really the highlight here. Uh, but I also have in my notes that the Big Show looks a lot like Dr. Eggman here. So. He did. <laughs> he did look like Dr. I didn't think Eggman. about that, but you are correct. <laughs> uh, yeah. This was fine. I, not even fine. This I'll say this is closer to bad than fine. But like, it's an understandable match to throw on the pay per view. It's a good. It's a smart way to book a cool down match or a throwaway match on a pay per view as far fa- as far as things are considered. Still not necessary for a pay per view, but you know, it's Carlito. I like Carlito. The more Carlito I see, the better. Uh, Angela, yeah. do you spit in the face of people who don't want to be cool? No, because I just get spit in the face at all the time. <laughs> I was going to make that joke. Good for you. Yeah. Noah can own me harder than I can. <laughs> but Matt Morgan landed that F5, though. Oh. That was time. actually, like, legit really impressive. And, like, when I saw him going for it, I was like, there's no freaking way he's going to hit this. And then he did. It's like, shit, that's cool. 
Like, I mean, even with, I mean, you know, when, when someone gets you up on your shoulders in wrestling, like, you know, you're cooperating, you're giving them a little jump and you're kind of, you know, trying to be light on his shoulders and everything. But like, that's still freaking, I mean, this was like one of the largest big shows that we ever got. This is like a still, huge show. This up. is not big show. This, this is huge show. This was a very large show. And he got him up there and hit the move. I thought it was awesome. Like, very I, few people ever probably have the, the size and strength to pull that off. How, like, how much help can you really give somebody hitting, like, an AA or an F5? Not, I mean, hopping up on their it. shoulders a little bit. Yeah, getting on the shoulder, sure. But, I mean, hitting the move. It's still... I mean, I, I can't even imagine how tough it is for a guy that size. Right. Uh, that's that. I can't big. even freaking imagine. That's, I mean, that's crazy. I think that's really crazy. And I thought it was, and I, I, I think that deserved more of a pop than it got. Yeah. You know, I was disappointed by the pop that it got. I think people were shocked. The big show. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they were shocked and just couldn't like, you know, couldn't vocalize how, how stunned <laughs> they were. But I feel like Matt Morgan deserved a, a big pop for what he did. Cause that was really cool. But yeah, uh, Carlito with Matt Morgan over Big Show, less than five minutes. So next up, we're, we're going to be getting into the Kurt Angle thing soon. We have a just incredibly disturbing uh, video package. Uh, that I will say this. This is a truly reprehensible angle. Essentially, Kurt Angle has decided that he wants to have sex with Booker T's wife, Charmel. He's not kidding, folks. No. He's decided this. This isn't like innuendo. This isn't suggested. This is like very clear. He is not going to give Charmel a say in the matter. And it's this whole thing. How, how did this get okay? But, but yeah, this is a horrifying angle and we're setting up this match. We have a little vignettes where backstage Charmel, who is with uh, Booker T in their dressing room. uh, She gets a, a lingerie delivery. Uh, and she's all excited because at first she thinks that it's from uh, Kurt Angle. Booker, or at first she thinks it's from her husband, Booker. And then Booker T, like, you know, realizes, hey, this isn't, this, you know, this isn't for me. And then she opens it up and then she finds handcuffs that say the words gutter slut on them. This is actually the high point of the night as it, as it comes. It gets worse from there. Um... So let's have a palate cleanser from all that. We have a pretty decent uh, cruiserweight match up next. Uh, title is on the line. We have the champion, Paul London. This is before he was in the tag team with Brian Kendrick. He's still doing like the same entrance, the same gimmick. He is defending the title against Chavo Guerrero. Uh, it's a it's a pretty solid match. Um, pretty early on. I mean, Paul, Paul London, first off. Wrestling with tassels on his boots. He's got the Marty Jannetty look going on. Not yeah. a good look. I like it. I think more people should wrestle with tassels. I think we should bring back tassels. I think we should bring back the Ultimate Warrior gimmick. Like the whole the whole deal. Everything. Um, Chavo takes the advantage early. Chavo is working as the heel in this match. Um, Paul comes back with some, some pretty neat high-flying stuff. He does this kind of cool sort of top rope mule kick where he kind of kicks Chavo backwards into the corner. He then goes for his finishing move, the 450 splash, but Chavo gets the knees up on him. Chavo continues to work over the ribs. He hits a back suplex. He hits a, like a rope hung drop kick. He puts him in the abdominal stretch for a while. I'm sure Jake loved to see that. Love the abdominal um, stretch. 
We have a spot where London tries to spin him into a victory roll. Chavo sits down on it, tries to get the pin. He grabs the ropes, but London's able to kick out. Uh, London hits a spin kick, jumps off the top rope with a flip dive to the outside where Chavo, like, didn't really catch him, and he just splats on the ground like a freaking bug on a windshield. Um, Chavo comes back, hits a suicide dive. London ends up backdropping him off the top rope, and then turns around, hits the 450 splash, gets the pin, and retains the title. In 10 minutes and 41 seconds, Paul London wins. I thought a pretty good match. I I just wanted to, get, I wanted to get into this match real bad, and I just couldn't. Like, I like both these guys. I think Chavo Guerrero is one of the guys that WWE just never really figured out how to utilize correctly. He had some moments like the Rey Mysterio feud, but I feel like he just had, like, his entrance and the way he was presented, he could have been so much more than what he ended up being in WWE. I think his problem was he had the last name Guerrero and Eddie was way more popular than he was because he was Eddie. Yeah. So, like, Chavo was always positioned as, like, well, here's, like, Eddie's cousin. Tier you know? two Guerrero. Yeah, he's the tier two Guerrero. He so, was always presented that way, even though he himself was really good and really talented. Mm-hmm. And like he and uh, some of the things that he's done, like uh, Talking Chopper Mania, was the last thing I really watched him on. He was hysterical in that; like he was fantastic yeah. throughout yeah. the entire thing. So much <laughs> charisma. But uh, on the flip side, then you have Paul London, who, while I enjoy him in his tag team work, I never really got him as a singles guy, uh, and especially as not as like a cruiserweight champion guy. Uh, even the look too, just with the tassels, didn't do it for me. Although his 450 looks magnificent, he also it's a great scent on it later uh, towards the end of this match as well. Um, actually, you mentioned the abdominal stretch. You know what? Because it felt like it was always paced poorly. I'm like, you know what? This match really needs a nice little two minute, two and a half minute abdominal stretch spot. <laughs> That'll really bring everything together. Um, I, I'm happy that they just got time though. I mean, for WWE to have 10 minutes to spend on the cruiserweights. Uh, they always need more representation because they always get booked poorly. Uh, but I felt like for me, there was not enough of the flippy shit. So, no. Yeah. I thought it could have used a little more flippy shit. Sure. I liked what we got. I thought it was solid. I thought that, uh, you know, London, London, a great athlete. Yeah. He was definitely better in the tag team with Brian Kendrick because he himself, like, kind of as a singles guy in WWE, never really showed that much personality. Not that he showed that much personality in the team with Brian Kendrick either, except it was better because there were two of them. <laughs> and you had Kendrick who could carry, like, the charisma factor. I I mean, I don't know if either of them really did that much. But it was like, hey, there's two of them. They're they're running around. They're going all fast. Vroom, vroom. Hey, I, rem- <laughs> I, rem- I remember when they first started the, the Brian Kendrick gimmick. Oh, yeah, that was cool. That was great. Never forget that the Brian Kendrick was the interim WWE champion for like five seconds in that one scramble match that they had. Technically, Brian Kendrick is a former WWE champion. There Shout we out go. To Brian Kendrick. Yeah, it did happen. It's 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 in the books. It's official. Uh, yeah, this I thought this was great. There's a spot. There was a spot in this match. I'm going to talk about in my marks, so I'm going to leave it out here. Um, but Paul London likes to hurt himself. I think so. That was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He cool. hit like the like the one flip down onto the floor, and I was like, "There's no way that that didn't send intense pain throughout your body." I mean, Chavo really didn't catch it. 
Like, yeah, I thought that was just a horrid spot. Like, I'm like, yeah. how the heck did he get up from that? He just did his flip, and he landed right on the freaking ground. Just fucking wham, thud on the ground. <laughs> and goddamn, just kind of fell with him. That shit hurt. I, 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 I am sure that that shit hurt. But he was fine, and we did the rest of the match, and it was cool. So next up, we're we're getting into the shit now. So backstage, Booker T is hunting for Kurt Angle. He is going all through tearing up the Target Center, trying to find this guy who has been sexually assaulting his wife for weeks, right? And he is hassling everybody he finds about whether they know where Booker T is. He is, you know, he hassles Funaki. Uh, He is walking through the bathroom. You see a guy pissing in the background at one point. I, I couldn't quite see who it was who was pissing. I really wanted to find out. Uh, couldn't tell. Um, goes into the locker room. He's yelling at Billy Kidman, Charlie Haas, and Hardcore Holly. Uh, he's yelling at Shannon Moore at one point. It's just a lot of random guys. Uh, but where he should be looking is his own dressing room. Because Kurt appears and literally just jumps on Charmat. And he says, after I win tonight, you're all mine. And then his music hits, and he goes out to the ring. And it's like, I don't know. I feel like it's presented in such a way where it's like, we are literally about to watch an unspeakable crime appear on camera here at Judgment Day 2005. But she was saved by the fact that his music hit, and he needed to go out for his match. Like, Like, really, really freaking bad. Cancel Kurt. So he goes out. Here's Booker. Can you dig it, sucker? He walks out. He's got like the biggest, just like wide-eyed look of like, I need to kill this man on his face. Um, and he's got like the handcuffs in his hand that uh, Kurt sent his wife backstage. And he goes right after Kurt, and they start brawling. Very early on in this match, Kurt, I don't know if he like busted his lip or something. He's bleeding from the mouth very early on in this match. Uh, Booker hits him with a scissor kick while Kurt is hung over the top rope. They fight on the outside for a while. One of the things I didn't like about this match, I mean, we've talked about it a lot, you know. Everyone likes Booker T. He's kind of a classic fave, but how many of his matches were really great? This match is okay, but, like, this kind of just seems like another wrestling match when it's, like, you know, like, Kurt Angle has been trying to assault Booker T's wife for weeks. And then they go into this, and, and, like, they're about to fight, and then there's, like, a long chin lock spot. And then there's a long bear hug spot. And it's like, this should feel differently than this. The yeah. story doesn't match the match. It doesn't match the match. The match itself is it's okay, I guess. It's whatever. Um... You know, they uh, Kurt ends up getting the heat for a really long time. Like I said, there's a long chin lock spot. He hits a big back suplex. He hits a bunch of European uppercuts in the corner. Stops a mud hole in him. Puts him in a bear hug for a while. Booker comes back. Hits a spinning heel kick. Uh, hits a super kick. He hits his uh, Uranagi, the book end for a two count. Does the spinneroonie. The crowd goes wild. Uh, he goes for the scissor kick, but Kurt counters by killing him with a big clothesline. He hits two rolling German suplexes. He's about to go for the third, but Booker fights out. Instead, Kurt hits a belly-to-belly for a big near fall. 
He then goes for the angle slam, but Booker counters the slam into a small package, and Booker T gets the pin and wins the match in 14 minutes and 10 seconds. So at least the guy who uh, was trying to just do a rape on TV, at least he didn't go over, thankfully, because God knows I wouldn't put it past WWE to do that. Um, Charmel runs out, exuberant to see Booker T win this match. Uh, Kurt starts beating Booker down after the match. He hits Booker with the angle slam. He grabs Charmel and he throws her into the ring. He grabs the handcuffs and is about to handcuff Charmel to the rope. But at the last second, Booker saves her. He handcuffs Kurt to the rope. They both beat the shit out of Kurt Angle. Charmel goes in and, you know, hits him with a bunch of slaps and the crowd goes crazy. She then punts him in the nuts, just winds up for a 45-yard field goal and goes and just crushes his nuts. And then Booker and Charmel embrace in the ring as Kurt Angle weeps in pain. This was, first of all, again, the entire thing with Kurt Angle, completely unnecessary. There are other ways to even, we'll say, sub, I can't say subtle, subtly, there we go, subtly, imply what Kurt was just vulgarly doing to get heat in terms of just like coveting another man's wife. If that's the angle you want to go, there are much more tasteful ways to do that than just saying, I just need that gutter slut. Uh, Because that's like a direct quote. It is. It's It's like a direct quote. It's disturbing. It's gross. It's uncomfortable. Um, If you had any kids watching that segment uh, on SmackDown, like me and David were, uh, you do not know how impressional those children are. Uh, Look at you all now. (laughs) This is for, I mean, this is actually a few months before I started watching. Me too. So, like, thankfully I didn't have the, like, fear of, like, I'm I'm sitting down and I'm watching the wrestling on TV and my mom comes into the room to see Kurt Angle saying the words bestiality sex. (laughs) Thankfully I didn't have to worry about that. And, and like, I... even I would say even more condemning too is like you're gonna have this huge hot angle uh, that is really you know I want to see Booker T kick his ass I, I mean f- full stop I want to see Booker T kick his ass following the storyline but you're gonna have this full angle and you're gonna have this basic ass match where he wins via roll up like come on no no just let Booker T beat the shit out of him make him like b- bloody him up hit him with like two scissor kicks. Just absolutely brutalize him, have Charmel come out, and then slap him and kick him in the nuts again. Like, do that. Don't just do some cheap little roll-up where Booker T wins by the skin of his teeth. And then you have more Kurt Angle being a sex offender after the match. Uh, And then ultimately, yeah, you get the happy, happy, in quotes. Uh, Booker T gets the comeuppance. Charmel slaps the shit out of Angle. Uh, But, like, this was horrible. It was distasteful. Uh... I felt like I needed to wash my eyeballs after watching it, and uh, I'm excited to move on from this match to the next one because it's a little bit more tasteful. David, whenever you said that, you wouldn't have been shocked if Angle had won. Remember that time that Triple H was super racist and beat Booker T? I had that in mind. Yeah. I had that in mind because that just happened to Booker T, like, what, two years before? Yeah, I mean, remember when, like, yeah, like, the whole Angle was Triple H is really racist, and then he wins anyway. And, like, he hit the pedigree, and Booker laid there for, like, a half hour, and then he pinned him. 
Yeah, that was, like, that was the worst part. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, Triple H is super racist, and then he wins. Was this, like, early 2000s, like 2001, 2000 era? I want to say 2003. Yeah, I want to say 2003. I was going to say, oh, you mean the preppy Northeastern Redcoat Hunter Hearst Helmsley's a racist? I'm shocked. Yeah, let's not forget where he comes from, man. I'm sure that's that's an old family with some uh, with a questionable history, I'm sure. Uh, But yeah, this is by and large like just a truly reprehensible angle. That should never have been allowed to be on television in any form or fashion. And it's like, I I don't understand, like, watching it at the time and thinking that it was, like, not horrible and much less now. Like, it it ages terribly, but I, I can't imagine that it was any less terrible when it aired. It is without question... The worst thing we have ever seen. And we have seen, again, Iraqi sympathizer Sergeant Slaughter. We have seen uh, a a Middle Eastern man portraying a Cuban. We've probably seen the other way around. We've seen bra and panties matches. We've seen blatant, like, again, sexual degradation. We have seen a lot of awful shit. We saw the Junkyard Invitational for Christ's sake. (laughs) This is, without a doubt, the worst thing we've ever seen. And I don't want to put it past WWE, but I think it might be the worst thing we see for a long time. I hope so. I hope so. I hope it only gets better from this. I mean, if we get Katie Vick, like, that that could make it, I don't know, that could probably make it worse. Well, no, I, honestly, when you really think about Katie Vick and what that angle entailed, yeah, it was so yeah. ridiculous and actually kind of slapstick that it's not really offensive. It's That's just kind of true. dumb. It's just kind of dumb and like kind of funny. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, 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 but honestly, I do hope we get to talk about that angle at some point. I really do. I whatever it was, two thousand three. I think two thousand three, two thousand two, two thousand three. Uh, I don't remember exactly when, but like that is the most hilarious angle. I'm sure it was like it was one of those where like at the time people are like, "This is ridiculously stupid." Yeah. But, like, it's not necessarily offensive, I don't think. Like, who is it offensive to? Like, mannequins? That's who it's offensive to. Let's get get Big Show on his dad's coffin. That's also funny. Like, let's be real. That shit's so funny. I mean, like, the... Like the video of like like a big boss man driving the coffin away. (laughs) Big Show's trying to get on the coffin. Is like the single, like... Like, I don't know if WWE intended it to be, like, their comedic masterpiece, their, like, slapstick <laughs> comedic masterpiece, but it is. Like, like the Eric Andre show has been trying for seven years to make something that funny. Intentionally. <laughs> Incredibly. It is, it, like, the greatest moment in, in comedic history. But, yeah. Uh, thankfully, in this angle, at the very least, uh, like... Crimes that would get you get put on the sex offender list. They don't pay here. And uh, Booker T wins the match and uh, Kurt Angle gets kicked in the nuts. So next up, we have a little we have a little thing that I thought was funny. We're previewing Cena JBL. And let's turn to our uh, color commentator, Taz, who gives us Taz's (laughs) keys to victory. 
which I guess, you know, they're trying to do some kind of sport, like, you know, kind of the content you see out of, like, sports analysts on, like, games, and they give, like, here's your keys to victory. And it's always like, man, this team can't turn the ball over, and they need to shoot threes and make them. You know? It's always shit like that. Here are uh, Taz's three keys to victory for the Cena-JBL I Quit match. Number one, get out of the box, which I suppose means, like, get off to a quick start. Number two, pure persistence, which in a match where you lose by quitting, persistence is an important thing to have. And number three is don't quit, which... Considering that's literally the only way you lose this match, it's a good tip that you should not quit. Don't quit in this I quit match because you lose. And luckily we did get redemption with Taz because I know like early on with AEW, like they're having like the Taz's clip show where he like dissects different finishing moves or whatnot, which was actually like kind of cool. And I think he sells it really well. Taz is a guy who's just knows so much has always been believable and even this is like, yeah, yeah, okay, it's Taz. Taz is saying it. Taz, so it's got some legitimacy to it. But again, the, the tips are just like so painfully obvious with no real like originality or like actual thought provoking like, oh, wow. Okay. So we never really thought of it like that or anything. Uh, yeah. I just wish it, I wish there's more depth to it. Literally the third one is don't lose. <laughs> like, <laughs> How to win the match. Don't lose. <laughs> what is your tip to victory? Uh, don't, don't lose. <laughs> Hey, listen, I've All been, right, I've been coaching. I've been coaching track for a little bit now, and like in the middle of a meet, like I'll have a, a thrower be like, "Like, Coach Long, like, what do I need to do to get farther here?" I'm like, "Well, I think you should throw it farther." And they just look at me, and it's like, "I don't know what else to tell you. Like, yeah. you just got to throw farther than the other people. That's pop, how you win." Pop your hips is another good one for throwing. <laughs> pop your hips. I'm saying like, like I don't know if this is a thing, like. Just like it, like look at the horizon and just and just like aim for that. That was actually that was actually a tip for javelin. We, like oh, you, okay. you would look at like the tree line because we were through throw by like a like a nice tree line. You aim for the top of the trees while you're throwing the javelin, so you get that perfect angle. Are you guys allowed to do the javelin in New Jersey? You can. Like, I thought that was like banned because you could die. In a lot like, of other states, not. New Jersey, it's not. I want to say New York, it's legal too. I'm not sure about Pennsylvania, but I know in West Virginia it is banned. Yeah, I know they don't yeah. do it in West Virginia, unfortunately. So yeah, so I'm I'm qualified to coach like throwing that. Yes, you yes. are. I was qualified to coach coach throwing, and I did huh. shot put for a year. I actually got decent discus though while coaching. Well, good for you, Angelo. I bet Angelo could probably. Do you think who could throw the discus further between you two? Oh, me easily. Wait, did you throw discus in high school? Yes. Okay, never mind. Oh, come on, Angelo. Don't pussy out like that. No, 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 no. Angelo. Angelo J- Jake, you... Jake and... Ha- Look, here's the reason why. I didn't realize... J- I knew Jake threw in uh, high school. I knew he did shot, but I didn't realize he did do discus. Jake has long arms. I do not. And if Jake hey, man, knows I... how to throw a discus, then he inherently has an advantage over me. Angelo, a... you have a powerful build. Yes, but not for discus. Right. I-, I had a PR of 130, Ange. Can you touch that? Not even close. Okay. Uh, th- my javelin peaked out at around 130, so... Maybe, but that's also yeah, why I was you, doing fucking, it every. You fucking run for that, so you spin for discus. Shut up! It's the same thing. I'd argue that spinning is more of an advantage. You're asking me. I think we ever do a Patreon for this podcast. There aren't enough Ooh. people to listen to this shit to justify a Patreon. 
I think the first thing that we should put on there is Jake and Angelo discus showdown. Okay. I better idea. How about we did a two and a half marks triathlon? A triathlon. As long as one of the events, as long as one of the events is sprinting, you're you're on. A sprinting. I think we do sprinting. I think we do a throwing event, and then I think we have to think of the third one. But right. but, oh, but, is... but we have throwing, we have sprinting, and then do we want to do a distance this one or do we want to not embarrass ourselves? Hot dog eating contest. Not even close. Hot I'm dusting both of you if we do this. I'd probably give Jake the favorite slightly. But All right. I People would definitely listening to this don't give a shit about our triathlon plans. Fair enough. So let's move on so to something else. So, so let's talk about Orlando Jordan instead. Yes, let's talk about Orlando Jordan. Uh, OJ, just a freaking guy, man. I mean, like, what else can you say about Orlando Jordan outside <laughs> of he's just a guy? He existed. Uh, the one-time chief of staff of JBL's cabinet. He is now the WWE United States Champion, and he is defending his title against Heidenreich. And let me say this: I unironically enjoyed the absolute shit out of Heidenreich's gift, David. Let me just say, I did too. I love this ver- I love this guy. I've never heard Bad. of him before. Awesome. Heidenreich, it's like the completely unrefined version of the Dexter Loomis gimmick. Where it's like they like Dexter Loomis Dexter Loomis, they took this gimmick and just said, How about he just never says anything? And then that's his gimmick. Um Heidenreich is like this insane guy who is just he wants he wants a friend. And every, every arena he goes into, he's trying to find a new friend. And he does this weird march around. He grabs a mic. He's trying to find a friend. And everyone wants to be Heidenreich's friend. And he marches around the ringside area chanting, where's my friend? He chooses this 12-year-old girl, like, I'm, like 12-ish-year-old girl named Alex. And either this girl was like a plant and was an extremely good actor, or she is unbelievably freaking elated to be Heidenreich's friend. Um, so he, you know, Heidenreich chooses her as his new friend and he takes her to ringside. She gets to sit at the timekeeper's area during the match. Um, he takes, he, he reads a poem before the match. Um, and, you know, the Heidenreich's actually kind of over. This girl is like going crazy for Heidenreich. So again, Either she's a plant and she's just great at her freaking job or she is just like a huge Heidenreich mark and is overjoyed at the chance to be this guy's friend. So then after this whole big Heidenreich thing, which was actually to me and Angelo at least was fun to watch and I I wholeheartedly enjoyed. Uh, We then have to have a match and this match freaking sucks. It's a short uh, shitty match. Um, in the like in the background, you can hear this little girl just like breathlessly cheering Heidenreich on the whole time. Uh, like the only real highlight of this match is that OJ hits him with this like huge backdrop driver where he basically just like puts him down directly on his freaking head. Um, Heidenreich gets a shitty comeback for a little bit, and then Jordan hits a swinging neckbreaker for a near fall. And then out of nowhere, just hits a DDT and gets the pin. Four minutes and 54 seconds. 
Orlando Jordan retains the title afterwards. The uh, little girl gets in the ring, and she uh, cheers Heidenreich up. They do the his weird, like, kind of Frankenstein march thing. And there are some Heidenreich chants, and that's the end of the segment. Maybe it's because also this is following, again, probably the worst thing that we've watched. Uh, that Like, Heidenreich itself, it, the character, it doesn't feel offensive to anything like you could say like draw some comparisons obviously but i don't think that's really what they're going for i think they're just going with like that freak archetype but this freak archetype is just like the friendly giant we'll say i will say this about the heidenreich character now he is a baby face at this time Mm -hmm. but just a few months before i believe he was when he was still a heel he did in kayfabe legit rape michael cole Uh that did happen Wow. Like, you know no, what I, I'm you not know, you making that up. I'm not joking about that. That You can look it up. That did happen. You know what's great? Let's have this this uh, child-friendly gimmick right after the uh, angle about rape. Yeah. It did make me think, like, okay, you know, it's a 12-year-old girl, and she's obviously having a ton of fun, and good for her. But, like, she saw all that shit that just happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? Ugh. Like, she was there for the bestiality sex angle. She was, I mean, she is way too young to see that shit. So maybe it's, maybe it's a good thing that, maybe it's a good thing that Heidenreich was there to cheer her up and take her mind off of, like, the really not age appropriate at all shit that she just saw. But, I don't know. Heidenreich himself, like, as a character, not the, not the Michael Cole thing notwithstanding, uh, it's just, I don't know. It's too wholesome to be from 2005 WWE. And he was over, like, the crowd was over for him. Obviously, you have that girl that's, like, either doing her job fantastic or, you know, actually genuinely excited uh, for Heidenreich. And Heidenreich was like, you know, I, I, I was here for it. I thought it was wholesome. I thought it was nice to see. Grant, I'm ignore Again, Jake, you're completely right with, like, the follow-up to this horrible angle. Uh, interesting note with Heidenreich, though, he was actually involved with the lawsuit to WWE regarding head injuries. So, like, their own CTE concussion right. uh, scandal that the NFL also has kind of, like, just shushed under the uh, rug. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it really is when you ignore, you know, the whole... Semantics. Like, his, his whole previous, you know, hey, a few months before he, you know, did a kayfabe rape, you know. I mean, come on. But, like, it is just kind of pure, like, kind of almost wholesome baby face shit. You know, here's this goofy guy that wants a friend, and the crowd wants to be his friend, and then he reads these goofy poems, and, like, he gets the kids involved, and, like, these kids are all having a great freaking time, and they get to sit ringside, and, you know, it's cool. Like, it's 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 family-friendly shit. You and know, it's, a- it's goofy enough that it works and that the kids like it, because it's goofy, but it's goofy in a family-friendly way, and it's got some good, like, crowd interaction with it. I genuinely like the gimmick. And, like, the whole thing, too, is to get the crowd involved. The crowd was involved, and I don't think you get much more involved than bringing a fan who, again, WWE tries to appeal to that 13- to 18-year-old fan base to get a fan in that very younger area to say, hey, you want to come watch this match, like, in the Timekeepers area. That's, like... Really cool. Yeah, that's cool. I thought it was nice. And again, if that little girl was a plant and she was just acting, she was freaking terrific at it. 
Otherwise, she was just genuinely really excited to be part of the show and get to be Heidenreich's friend, which is also cool. Yeah, it was good for her, so. So good for her. I'm glad she had a good time. I'm glad that she had something else to, to take home outside of having to see that Kurt Angle shit. So, uh, next up, I will say this. You know, we had a, G- a JBL promo. Uh, you guys see this absolute freaking nerd, Josh Matthews? Oh, yes. yes. Unsightly, very cursed Josh Matthews. Nerd! Wanted to just jump through the screen back in time 16 years and beat the shit out of this guy. And shove his fucking head in the toilet and give him a swirly. Would improve uh, his hair a lot. Yeah. Next up, we have one of the classic memorable feuds of this era of SmackDown, the Eddie Guerrero Rey Mysterio feud. This is one of their first big pay-per-view matches. This is pre uh, Dominic getting involved and it becoming the I'm your poppy feud. But we'll get there. That actually that's that's the direction this feud takes after this match where it really gets into some good shit that everybody remembers. Uh, Eddie had turned on Rey Mysterio, his longtime best friend, and turned heel before the match. And he sort of has this, like, kind of more downcast heel version of his lie, cheat, steal theme. He's abandoned the uh, lowrider entrance that everyone loved. And he kind of just broodingly walks to the ring with his head down. Um, Rey comes out. Rey has his ribs taped up uh, selling an injury that he had gotten from Eddie in kayfabe and they just brawl starting out um, they're throwing hands back and forth Eddie is on top early he's really on top for a big part of this match working over the ribs he slams him into the steps <laughs> one of my favorite parts of this match is when they go over to the announce table and uh, Eddie spinebusters Ray into the English announce table twice, and you see in the background uh, Cole and Taz like standing up to get out of the way. And you see, you guys see how huge Taz's jacket was? No, no. The dude's jacket was freaking massive. I hate that you noticed, like him. like the like Tom Brady jacket notice. levels of huge. It was like he's getting drafted by the Denver Nuggets type. Huge. <laughs> uh, it was it was a pretty sick look. I could not, I couldn't stop staring at the jacket. Yeah, Taz had a huge jacket. Eddie's getting a ton of heat. Eddie, Eddie, I mean, a beloved guy. Everyone loved him as a babyface. He's getting a ton of heat. Uh, big Eddie sucks chance. Ray Mysterio may be one of the only guys who could get cheered over Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. Even, even though Eddie is like a despicable heel right now. Um, Eddie hits an inverted powerbomb. Ray comes back. He hits him with this great monkey flip where Eddie literally flies all the way across the ring. Uh, he hits a springboard headbutt. Eddie puts him in a lion tamer, steps into a Boston Crab, turns around into an STF. Ray gets to the bottom rope. Uh, Eddie throws him out of the ring, sets up a spot on the steel stairs, but Ray shoves him into the post. He hits a 619 on the outside, like around the ring post, and he hits him in the back. Gets back in the ring, hits a springboard crossbody, hits the springboard seated senton for a two count, goes for a spear into the corner, misses, hits the post, Eddie's back on top, hits a superplex, goes for the three amigos, Ray just slips out after the third, ends up drop, Ray drop kicks him in to the ropes to set up the 619, then out comes Chavo to help out his, uh, his, I don't remember if he was his cousin or his uncle or whatever, help out his uh, relative, Eddie Guerrero. 
Uh, Eddie grabs a chair while Chavo is distracting the ref. Uh, Ray ends up knocking the chair out of Eddie's hands, takes Chavo out, hits the 619. After he hits the 619, Eddie ends up kind of rolling all the way across the ring to where the chair is sitting. And then when Ray tries to springboard back into the ring to drop the dime on Eddie, Eddie tees him up and smashes him out of midair with the steel chair right in front of the referee and then gets DQ'd in 18 minutes and 30 seconds. A very flat ending. Just here's a DQ out of nowhere to what was to that point, I thought, a very good match. Listen, heel Eddie's fine. Yes. But he's no babyface Eddie. Sure. I just, ah, man, I wanted to root for Eddie. I I love, it's it's hard for me to not see Eddie and just instinctively root for him. Right. I kind of agreed. Like, Eddie just has that thing that you want to root for him regardless of how he does it. Like yeah, he, yeah. he, he could do whatever he wants in the ring, and you're like, yeah, go Eddie. But then you see him when he's a heel, and he's a great freaking heel. Oh, he was fantastic so like, in this match, too. He got a ton of heat. And I think about a few episodes when we did uh, When Worlds Collide, and when he was working heel with Art Bar, and he was just so freaking good. And he was such an asshole piece of shit. I mean, how freaking great was Eddie, man? And this one was so different, too, from that. Like, So that one's a little bit more of a pompous, like... Uh, like an Andrade style heel where he's like this big, like big name, big fancy guy. This one's just like sullen and edgy and a little bit sadistic. Like I kind of have this in my notes. It's if in retrospect, this feels a lot like he's in, in incorporating roid rage into his character. Like yeah. just that angle of that edge to him. Uh, uh, too soon, buddy. Too soon. Angle, angle and edge. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Uh, but that intensity that he's bringing, like, he, again, he, mostly, most of the time when you saw him as a baby face, he's very aloof. Seeing him have that kind of intensity is something to behold, especially against Ray, who's, again, the, one of the ultimate baby faces. Uh, the height that they get on the monkey flip was really, uh, again, I love whenever you have a move where the guy gets crazy high in the air. Uh, the, their monkey flip did that. Uh, the 619 around the post was always really cool. Uh, the frustration covers that Eddie does towards the end of this match as well. It kind of helps the story of, like, he wants to beat Ray within an inch of his life. And I don't even hate the finish and the fact that it's already been established that Eddie wants to destroy Ray. So him willing to lose this match because he knocks the crap out of Ray in midair with a steel chair makes enough sense. And also, it's the match before the, paper, uh, the main event, so... Gives them time to kind of wind down and get ready to wind back up with Cena and JBL after their entrances. Yeah, normally I'm not going to really pay any note for a monkey flip spot when I'm going through, like, kind of the moves that happen. But, like, I had to mention that one because, like, I, I think WWE's is a 20-foot ring. Eddie went, like, at least maybe 16 feet. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. But, yeah, Eddie was great in this match. I mean, again, as a guy that... Just what a year before was the hottest baby face in the world, and is like one of, and like later on that year will again be like a beloved baby face before he, you know, passes away in November. Like, did such a good job getting a ton of heat, and it's easy to get heat when you're working with Rey Mysterio because Rey Mysterio is one of those guys who's never not going to be cheered, but still, 
you know, like for a guy like Eddie to be able to get a ton of heat, that's very impressive in my opinion. And I thought this was a, a really good match until, you know, a flat finish with a DQ out of nowhere, even though the DQ kind of came in a cool way. I liked him teeing him up. Like it was a, like a fastball, just hitting him <laughs> out of the park with the chair. If you're going to do it, do it in a cool way, you know? Facts. Yeah. But then afterwards, Eddie just beats the shit out of Ray with the chair. And pretty soon we'll be introduced to uh, Ray's possibly. I mean, maybe it's Ray's son. I don't know. I don't know. He looks like a full confirmation that he is Ray's son in kayfabe. I don't know, but he does look like watching him now on SmackDown. He does look a little bit like Eddie. A little bit. Hell of a lot taller than his dad. That's for sure. (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's wild that like for like like looking at this gimmick and like what or like I, I mean, at this angle I mean and then it's like oh yeah well the son from this angle is like wrestling now <laughs> you know I mean just turn turn on TV and there's there's the son he's here so we get to the main events and this is just absolutely the highlight I mean this this makes the whole show it is John Cena and JBL in an I quit match John Cena had won the title from JBL and he had really gotten over and become a, a superstar with this white rapper gimmick. And he was, you know, very charismatic. He had really gotten over. Um, he had the, you know, released the CD. He was starting to do movies and stuff. I mean, he's like kind of breaking through and becoming like a mainstream guy. And then there's JBL who he had beaten for the title uh, Cena had replaced the old championship belt with the uh, the now iconic spinner belt, um, which of course stayed like way after he stopped being champion. JBL has continued to carry around the old non-spinner belt. So we get this these entrances where both guys get like vehicle entrances. JBL, of course, comes out in the limo with the horns on it, which was his entrance at the time. Cena does him like 35 times better. Um, he rolls out on the bed of this like this big rig truck that has like he's got, you know, his 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 song playing. He's got his own DJ like scratching on the beat. Uh, the truck is like shooting fireworks out of it. The crowd Amazing. is going fucking ape shit for this entrance like cena's music hits and this is before the crowd had like the hardcore had turned on cena people like the whole crowd still is like universally for cena yeah but so his music hits he gets a, a pretty big pop and then the truck comes out and the crowd levels up like 15 notches and they start all fucking screaming their lungs off it's just so freaking cool and so the truck is shooting fireworks cena comes out john cena is universally beloved by this crowd um he like comes to the ring he was walking on top of jbl's limo on the way to the ring he boots the horns off the hood of the car and this match just turns into again it's an i quit match it is the most like knockdown, drag out, bloody brawl in which they do every single trick, every single gimmick. They pull out every stop and every stunt, and it is freaking great. And the crowd is going crazy. It's it's 
one of the great I quit matches of all time. I loved watching every second of it. So they brawl on the outside and, you know, Cena, I, I love this early JBL just walked over to the timekeeper and then took the timekeeper's belt off the guy's pants, like <laughs> stole the guy's belt and starts whipping Cena with the belt. He's choking him with the belt. He gets him up on the announce table and he's like threatening to pile drive him through the table. And he says, he has, he grabs the mic and he goes, you know, your rap career, your movie career, everything that's over unless you quit right now. And he gives Cena the mic and Cena says, kiss my ass. Gets a big <laughs> pop. And then he stands up and back body drops JBL through the Spanish announce table. And they are just hitting each other with all this shit. Uh, JBL smashes him in the head with a chair and Cena blades and just bleeds <laughs> everywhere. He messed that shit up. He got Crimson Vest territory. He, yeah, he has the full Crimson Vest. I mean, he became an honorary Rhodes, Rhodes son after this match because he loses, like, all of the blood in his freaking body. He is covered completely in blood by the end of this match. So Cena is bleeding everywhere. JBL is killing the shit out of him with all these clotheslines. He's choking Cena with his chain. Um, he's beating him up with a microphone. Again, Cena is leaking everywhere. Cena then fires back, hits all his spots. He hits the five-knuckle shuffle. He hits the FU. And then JBL rolls out. We start walking up the ramp. The rest of this match is going to be kind of on the stage area. Uh, they fight on top of the hood of JBL's car uh, or the limo. JBL hits him with a swinging neckbreaker on the hood of the limo. Um, they do a suplex spot on the top of the limo. Cena throws him into the door twice and then pushes the door like off its hinge and like throws it into the windshield. He grabs JBL and throws him through the window of the limo. Uh, JBL by this point has also started bleeding everywhere. Not as bad as Cena. They then go up onto the bed of the big rig truck that Cena came out on. Uh, so Cena is like throwing him into like the smoke, like tanks and stuff. And all the smoke is shooting out everywhere. Uh, JBL DDTs him on the truck bed. He try he like climbs up to the top of a speaker and grabs a cord. And is trying to like, basically like hang Cena from the top of the speaker but Cena then knocks him off of the speaker through, like, the DJ table. He then takes, like, the smokestack off of the truck, walks over to JBL, who is now kind of over this, like, like on the stage, sort of in front of this, like, plate glass window that is part of the Judgment Day stage setup. And Cena walks up to him holding the smokestack, and he's about to just kill him with this thing. And JBL... Grabs, you know, JBL is filled with terror at the prospect of getting hit with this thing. And he grabs the mic and kind of out of nowhere just says, no, no, I quit. I quit. I quit. I'm done. It's over. So that finishes the match in 22 minutes and 45 seconds. Just blood and just guts and just every kind of weapon and every kind of trick and spot you can think of. Cena retains the title in one of the great I quit matches of all time. Afterwards, JBL has quit, but... Cena just freaking hits him with the thing and puts him through the window anyway. And the crowd goes wild as a bloodied Cena, again, absolutely coated in his own blood, 
closes the show and celebrates in the ring. Awesome. Freaking this, awesome match. This was the most recent I Quit match I had seen. It absolutely happened. Is that all you got? You, you love it so much. You freaking no. hack. Is that all you got? Come Boo. on. Dude, but it was if like, you're going to hate, then hate, bro. Um, yeah, lean into the I heel gimmick. Know. What's that? Lean into the heel gimmick. Come on. You know you want to. Um. Okay, well, how about this? Why didn't one of them just pull a gun? Well, that's the big question. Right? That is like the whole like that. That is always the unanswered question of every no DQ match ever. Why, <laughs> like, like, why, did, why didn't you just pull a gun? Like, hey, if you don't quit, I'm gonna kill you. I mean, that's a good question, <laughs> and I feel like that's never really been adequately explained. In I don't think it's ever been explained. Why but, wouldn't uh, you? Just, I feel like, like it's better off not being explained. Why wouldn't you just yeah, just bring a double barreled shotgun and just like point it at him at the beginning of the match and be like, All right, bro, just quit or I'm gonna shoot you in the face. They're totally gonna do that with you know? Braun and he's just gonna no sell a shotgun shot to the chest. <laughs> bro, that would actually be cool. Uh good. This was yeah, like I don't know. I, I thought it was good, but I think my problem isn't with this match so much as it's with I quit matches. I've just never found the tension in them to be that high. Because the ref has to constantly like jam the microphone in their mouth, like "Do you quit? Do you quit?" No, I fucking didn't. I feel so. like that. Plus, like I don't feel like it's good for title matches. I really think yeah, it's better I off. I, 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 I think it's, matches, it's not good. It's like a Hell in a Cell match. It should be for like a blood feud. And right. at this point, you could say J- Cena and uh, JBL were kind of embroiled with a blood feud. Uh, I know, like, with Orin and Cena, like, when his dad got involved, that's probably a little bit more spot on. But this one was, like, you know, it's a pretty good feud. But it shouldn't be for the championship. I don't think, like, if you're doing an I Quit match, the fact that you're doing, like, saying I Quit enough is the thing for it. And I don't know. I've, I, I just don't feel like it should be for the title. Uh, also, this match should have been over in five minutes. Because JBL said the words, I Quit. Like, five minutes in, like, the first time he had Cena ask. He's like, say the words, I quit. JBL, you just said it. The match is oh, over now. A, you know what? That's a loophole that I didn't think about. <laughs> I didn't think about that. You know what? You might be right here. There has to be intent. That would have been, like, a great, like, kind of, like, comedy way to do the I quit match. Like, it would have been a chicken shit way, like, if Cena had said that to JBL early in the match. Yeah. And then Cena ultimately wins. And then you have JBL come back saying, I have video evidence that shows John Cena said I quit before I did. Well, uh, it's sort of like the Rock Mankind one where it was like they played the recording over the loudspeaker of Mankind saying I quit in one of the pre-match promos. Yeah. <laughs> and then like it fooled the referee into stopping the match. Also, did you notice who the referee was in this match? I did not. Our good friend Nick Patrick. Oh, yeah. NWO stooge himself, Nick Patrick. <laughs> uh, uh, but no, this was a this was an entertaining match, David. I did write laugh at David exploring the space, and you didn't say it. Well, so. they explore the space beautifully, I think. In this match, uh, JBL stealing the belt from the timekeeper got an audible laugh for me when they did it live. Um, and then they kiss my ass, body drop through the table again. Really cool spot. They're just beating the hell out of each other. It's what you want to see in an I quit match. Cause again, this, it's, it's supposed to be for blood feuds. This is absolutely a blood feud. And it really, they really sell that intensity. I feel like this version of JBL, I know as a person, maybe not the greatest. I know Jake's not a big JBL guy. I love this version of JBL in terms of just as a character. Like, cause he's, he, first of all, he's a beatable heel. 
but he also has this vicious side to him and it's also super corny. So like it's got all the makings like he could do a lot of different things with the gimmick and this gimmick is just the perfect foil for this version of Cena because you have this rich established guy of the vet dragging the young face the young guy who's really popular who's becoming the new face of the company he's dragging the young guy out into deep water in this i quit match and i feel like that's like it's good storytelling i think that's why it makes it such a great main event we talk about how sometimes with these brand specific paper uh, uh brand specific uh pay-per-views you always feel like there's something lacking i don't feel like that this card really suffered for the brand specific uh brand specific vacations as i can't speak it's 11 o'clock at this point i'm falling asleep but this match really was exciting uh the fu pose towards the end again how bloody everyone gets throwing jbl into the tv and just the fantastic end of jbl playing up his chicken shit heel saying i quit before uh cena just runs him through the glass it was a fun match it was enjoyable and again everything that happens on the stage while they're exploring the space fantastic yeah. Exploring the space. It's it's all about exploring the space, and they explore the space beautifully. Yeah, you know. Again, we are recording this at eleven o'clock in, at night. I excuse some uh, some issues, especially when it's eleven o'clock at night and your dog won't stop eating leaves, man. <laughs> A little bit punch drunk here. Shout, shout out to Mojo. Mojo, you gotta let Mojo just eat his leaves, man. He's an old man. Just let him enjoy his leaves before he goes. You know. Well. I want last. I want him to last a little bit longer, so that's exactly why I don't want him to eat the leaves. <laughs> what is eating a leaf gonna kill the guy? It upsets his stomach, and like it's not good for him. I think he's fine. You know what, dogs? It's it's from the earth, brother. It's from <laughs> the earth. If it's from the earth, it can't possibly be bad for you. You're right. Let me go eat some poisonous mushrooms real quick, dude. Let's hit, dude. You want to do some mushrooms? You want to eat some mushrooms with me? Let's fucking do it. <laughs> let's do it on. Let's do it on the cast, brother. Oh, Let's boy. eat some mushrooms and talk about WCW Greed 2001. Oh, boy. Freaking do it. Let's get to the marks. But, yeah, good freaking match, man. This shit kicked ass. And they beat the hell out of each other. And there's blood everywhere. And there's gimmicks everywhere. And there's a bunch of stunts and shit everywhere. It's exactly what you need. Exactly yes. what you want. It's exactly what you need. So, yes, as Angelo said, let's let's go to two and a half marks. Let's finish this thing up. Angelo, you start us out. Sure thing. My half mark. Screw you, Jake. It's going to Heidenreich. Just too wholesome for 2005 Bad. WWE. Bad. I enjoyed it. I put a smile on my face after the atrocity that I had to watch uh, before it. And you know what? I want nothing but good things from our good uh, guy Heidenreich, ignoring the Michael Cole thing. Uh, my one mark is going to entrance props because the main event really makes them sh- – it shows how versatile they are. First of all, like again, JBL's limo is iconic. It's great to see it come out. Uh, really sells him as a top guy. Then you have Cena just completely show him up. He's got the DJ booth. He's got this big rig. He's got fireworks. Uh, and think about other ones like Ken Candy's microphone because he's got the special like announcer microphone. Guys that have props, like if it makes sense with their character, it ends up amplifying everything they're about. Uh, Finley and his shillelagh, another great one. Uh, and then I think the thing that you get to see the most of is when you get these no DQ matches where you get to be creative with some of the weaponry, where you get to explore the space. Like, again, how much how fun was it to see them explore that entire space with the big rig, with JBL's limo and seeing them how many different ways they utilized every piece of the vehicle? 
I think that's really good. Entrance props. We need more of them in wrestling. So that gets my one mark. My negative two marks are going to Kurt Angle for very obvious reasons. I don't need to say more. Kurt Angle, mm-hmm. bad. Negative yeah, two marks. Sure. Jacob. All right. I'm giving my half mark to a specific move from the Paul London match, and it's the drop salt. Did you guys see that? Oh, the dropkick moonsault. He hits a dropkick and moonsaults out of it. Yeah, that was really cool. What in the gravity-defying bullshit was that? He hit oh. it, and I had, to, I had to rewind it five times because I couldn't believe what I saw. Paul London was a freaking athlete, man. It was incredible. Just no charisma. Well, it's okay to not have charisma when you're just doing cool flippy shit. This sometimes. is true. Um, negative one mark to a gimmick that was pro-kids in 2005 because it followed the the Kurt Angle thing. So great. We have kids in the front row. They just watched Kurt Angle assault a woman. Lovely. They're, those cats, same kids going to be front row to watch Cena literally bleed on every inch of the of the square of the, the ring. Like, what? Yeah, and I will say, while I am vocally in favor of the Heidenreich gimmick, I thought it was fun and family-friendly and all that, I also, I, I, in that particular moment after the Kurt Angle thing, I didn't need to be reminded that there were kids there. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I, I just couldn't separate them. So that's where my negative one mark goes. My two marks, guys, they're positive, and they're going to main event Cena. They just let Cena get away with whatever the hell he wanted to do. He was like, hey, I'm going to put some spinny shit on the title belt. And they're like, all right, buddy, you do whatever you want. He's like, hey, can I get a fucking tractor and trailer to, like, haul my party shit in? And they're just like, yeah, bro, here, here, here. If you treat somebody like a star, they will be a star. But if you don't, don't be shocked when I don't end up as a star. And they yeah. treated Cena like a goddamn star. What have we always been saying? Presentation freaking matters. It matters more than anything in the goddamn world. So, I'll finish it out. So, I'm going to go with a half mark to seeing the, like, backstage agents as they come out and, like, help people out for beatdowns and stuff. I didn't really mention this at the time, <laughs> but after the Eddie and Rey Mysterio match... So Eddie beats the shit out of Ray with a chair and just leaves him laying. And, like, a bunch of refs and, like, you know, road agents from backstage come out and, like, break it up. And, like, I always enjoy that because, like, the agents are always, like, old wrestlers. And, like, it's fun to, like, remember a guy. It's like, oh, look, it's that guy. Like, in this one, it's uh, Finley is there. And this is, like, before Finley had had his second run on SmackDown. This is when it was like, oh, yeah, remember that guy from WCW? Look, it's him. It's like I now. That. It's like nowadays. Whenever you see Jamie Noble run out to stop a match, or yeah. Finley yeah. came out, it's like holy shit! There's Jamie Noble. You know, there was one in NXT. Where's like, the sex one, case? There's there's one in NXT where I was like, holy shit! That's Sanjay Dutt. And I was like, holy fuck! It's awesome. I love that. I just it's like a little thing that I always really enjoy. Um, I'm gonna give my negative one mark to rapist Kurt Angle. It doesn't need to be expounded upon any more than we already have. But you know, <laughs> fuck. Bang. And my two marks. Kind of touched on it a little bit, but I'm going to go a little more specific. Vehicle entrances. 
Okay. No one has ever entered in any sort of motorized vehicle in for a wrestling match and not have it been awesome. I'm talking even the Mexicools on the golf cart. Even that was cool. Or the lawnmower, I mean. That wasn't even a golf cart. So, yeah, even, that was a lawnmower. Even the Mexicools on the riding lawnmower, as racially insensitive as it was, they're still riding to the ring in a freaking lawnmower. That's pretty cool, you know? Eddie in the low rider, um, Alberto Del Rio in his fancy cars, JBL in the limo, and Cena in this massive big rig shooting fireworks. Again, it, it blew my mind how, you know, Cena comes out, his music hits, he's already over, gets a big pop. And then when they see that he's coming out on this giant truck, the pop intensifies like 50 times. And it turns into just, like the arena is shaking level pop. It's so great. I mean, it just ratchets the whole moment up a hundred times. The greatest vehicle entrance is best friends with Trent's mob. Yes. In the minivan, a hundred percent. That also great. Never has there ever been a person enter on any sort of motorized vehicle and not have it be cool. I'm talking even Simon Dean coming in on a Segway. Oh my that God. Was cool. Even down to that, they're all winners every single time. So that'll wrap up our coverage, the WWE Judgment Day 2005. And so that will bring us to our last order of business. We're going to see what we are watching for next week, one of the last ones that we can actually do on the regular WWE Network, and then we'll have to see what's on Peacock. So as I pull this up, while we still have the full length and breadth of the WWE Network archive available to us, what do you guys want to see? Would it be wrong? I want something that's morally questionable, but not in the way that Kurt Angle was morally questionable. I want it in your house, which I think is inherently morally questionable. Well, so as it turns out, we kind of get both. What? So we are going into, I feel like we haven't had a lot of really good, like just pure attitude era pay-per-views. We're going to 1999, uh, 1998 WWF, Fully loaded in your house. Oh. Features, you know, in terms of uh, what Angelo's asking for. We have a bikini contest on the show. That's kind of there. But we have... Jake, what is one of my favorite things to ever happen in wrestling? Oh, shit. You took too long. Owen Hart and Ken Shamrock wrestling a shoot-style match in a basement. Oh! Oh, shit, got, is this the dungeon match? We have the heart dungeon match Oh, David, on this we show. have talked about this so many times. How many times have the two of us sat down and just watched this match? Like a Yo, million times. Ben Shamrock swings from a pipe and kicks Owen Hart into a wall. Yes. And the wall's not gimmick, so he just bounces off of it. It's this is one of my, like, if... If you want to distill David Statman's taste <laughs> in wrestling down into one like five minute clip, it is the Heart Dungeon match. And in the main event, listen to the guys in this main event tag team match Kane and Mankind versus Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Undertaker. Now that is a heater. We have a Triple H versus The Rock two out of three falls match. This is right. In the middle of the good shit. We have Mark Henry versus Vader. Yeah. Oh, oh Vader's, my gosh. Vader's WWF run, well, actually, thinking about it, it's going to make me sad. So I I'm sure it that. is. We but don't like... want to talk about it too much. We need to go too into it because it was not great. 
but... This has to be better than In Your House 4. Uh, Mark Henry, at this time, uh, did absolutely blow. So, like, th- that match probably sucked. But yeah, uh, this is... I- I'm really looking forward to watching this one. So next week, WWF fully loaded In Your House from July 1998. So that'll finish up this episode of the Two and a Half Marks podcast. And for my friends, Angelo and Lisa and Jake Long, my name is David Statman. Thanks, everybody, for listening.